the second episode of season two of New Era Leafs podcast. And before we get to anything, I'd just like to apologize for this episode being late. We unfortunately experienced uh, technical difficulties the first time we tried to uh, <laughs> record this episode. So that's why this one is a little late, but we're back just in time for hockey to be back. And uh, Gordon, how nice does that feel to hear oh. hockey's back? It's it's weird because I'll be honest, I'm not as excited for this year as I was last year, just because there just seemed to be such a buzz. And I was thinking about this earlier today. There just seemed to be such a buzz last year, but like, I, I still am like, like I'm kind of slowly ramping up and I feel like once we start playing games and, you know, we see Austin Matthews rip a couple, you know, mm-hmm. well, here's I'll a fun, excited. Here's a fun story. Uh, I am not going to be watching the, <laughs> the season opener. Um, I oh, guess really? for tonight when you guys are listening to this, just cause uh, yeah, I bought tickets to a, to a soccer game without realizing that it was the same day as the Leafs home opener. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatever. I'm so hyped for the soccer game. Let's see What's Canada, Canada versus Panama for world cup qualifying. Oh, Oh, that actually does sound really cool. Yeah. I'm not even like, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not even a huge soccer guy, but I, I think I would even, you know, be down to go watch that. Yeah. Oh, well, it's whatever. I got another 81 games to watch, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Honestly, that is one thing I'm kind of pumped for is like a full season. Yeah. Not not this, you know, season cut short and then, you know, a 56 game schedule against the same like five teams. <laughs> Oh my God. By the end of like last regular season, I don't know if you felt the same way, but like for me, I was just like, got so bored of playing the same teams over and over again. I was like, I'm fucking sick of seeing the Oilers. I'm sick of the Jets. I'm sick of the Flames. I'm sick of the Senators. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, same. And like, especially too, like the one thing that really hit me was uh, just, I don't know, like, like it felt like we were just dummying so many of them, like so often. I, like we were just like it, it felt like almost like we could beat anybody in there like yeah. legitimately like there was no you know oh wow we got to play the best team in the league the tampa bay lightning or the colorado avalanche it's yeah oh let's go up against the last place ottawa senators and you know brady chuck and his band of merry men you know mm-hmm. oh my god that was annoying last year Freaking yeah can't wait to only play the canadian teams what four times the ones in our divisions and the other ones twice yeah yeah i know it's gonna be so nice mm-hmm. there's actually oh. gonna be like there's actually gonna be you know that uh that like attraction to connor versus matthews type thing you know like it's gonna be kind of an event rather than oh mm-hmm. this is the third time in a row we're watching connor mcdavid versus austin I know. matthews <laughs> we haven't I, I just took in that we haven't seen the Leafs play against another team that wasn't a Canadian team or Columbus since March of 2019. Oh, Jesus. Man, that's just so long ago. Holy. I know. I was I was a young 21-year-old lad. Yeah, same. Now I'm 23. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Like, I, I don't know if we talked about the show, but, like I, I, like, I had my birthday party, like, a week before everything shut down, basically. Like, there, there was, it was just starting to get cases reported, like, yeah. around in, in, in Canada. And I was sitting there, you know, kind of a little nervous about going out, you know, to eat. Um, but we went out to eat, you know, and then, a, like, a week later, literally everything shut down. Yeah, I went to a club like a week before everything shut down 
I don't know if it was a week oh, before, geez. but it wasn't long before. It was like I remember it was the same night that Martin Marinchin scored a goal against the against the Canucks. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that was really, really was, recent before. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyways, um, because we were unable to get last week's episode out due to those technical difficulties. I guess we can uh, wrap up some of the stuff we wanted to touch on about um, training camp. Mm-hmm. So um, I know, Gord, you have some some stuff you wanted to touch on, so I'll let you take the reins here. Yeah, specifically, like, I just wanted to, you know, say that I think they made the right choice in choosing to give a, I mean, the Leafs didn't give a contract, the Marlies did, but, you mm-hmm. know, choosing to keep around Josh Hosang, over Nikita Gusev. Yeah. Uh, he was clearly much better. And uh, I, I think he clearly deserved it too. Like there were nights where I know, like I watched him a few times, and, like you just watch him. Like he was clearly a step above, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Ottawa senators random, you know, friggin' yeah. AHL middle six player, you know, in the lineup, like he was clearly better than them. So, you know, um, is it dumb to think that whole thing will be an everyday leaf by the end of the year? Um, I think it's possible. I honestly like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I could see it to be honest. Cause that's what I'm thinking too. Especially if like Andre Kasha, which I mean, we'll probably get into in the preview a little bit later, but mm-hmm. you know, Andre Kasha, especially if he can't stay healthy, like, you know, I feel, I feel like Josh Hosang could fit in really nicely on that third line. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. I think I'd, I'd like him there. Um, I'd like to see him maybe even in the top six with like playing with Tavares and Nylander. I feel like that would be a very fun line to watch. Yeah, it'd be really sick, actually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, yeah, like you were about to say it, I'll just say it anyways. Um, Andre Kasha, I love him, great player, mm-hmm. easily 20 goal scorer. Um, if he's healthy, but the thing is, he's uh, not he- not always healthy, so it's good to have that insurance. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm also writing like a, uh, a semi sort of preview piece this year, and yeah, like that, that that's something that I threw in like big time. Like, oh my god, you know, I, I was forgot. like, here's my prediction for Kasha. But I forgot you know. to to congratulate you on on your new role. Um, I was I, I meant to do this in the in the intro, but yeah, do you want to talk about that a bit? Uh, yeah, I'm now a uh, a contributor on the uh, editor and leaf uh, website. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's like, good. I, it's like the second gig where like I actually like, you know, actually get paid for it, which is really cool. Um, so that's good. That's good. All right. Well, yeah, be sure to read some of Gord's stuff on um, on editor and leaf. And uh, anyways, let's get back to it. I meant to bring that up earlier, but I'm a dummy oh, and I forgot. I appreciate it. Um, one thing I've wanted to talk about is um, do you think the whole Adam Brooks saga, what what are your thoughts about it? Um, I, I'd love to just be like, Oh, I don't have any thoughts, but like genuinely, I actually really like Adam Brooks. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I listened to Steve Dangle to kind of talk about, you know, his season preview. And he mentioned like a really good point that I feel like we often look over like just the cost. Like, I mean, the Leafs drafted this guy in 2016, invested five years worth of development and like money and you know like roster space to this guy and then all of a sudden he just got plucked um off waivers one day just within 24 hour span he was a montreal canadian their rival you know and so it definitely sucks um but 
you know, I, I feel like the Leafs have the depth to make up for it. Like, I feel like it's not going to, you know, it's not going to sink or swim their season or sink their season or anything, but you know, I think mm-hmm. that, uh, I think that obviously it sucks. Here's my thing. It's just like, like Adam Brooks, like has still like yet to prove that he can be like your everyday, like fourth line center or whatever. Yeah. So it's just like, and like, is Michael Amadio better than him? Like probably he's at least been like an NHLer, yeah, in the past and stuff. And it's just like, you don't I don't know. Like I, I did like Adam Brooks, but it's just like he's also a player that's like so easily replaceable. Like, like yeah, uh, uh, I, I don't know. Like <laughs> the fact that this is even like a big story just goes to show you how much how much Toronto matters in the grand <laughs> yeah. scheme of things. Because like if he goes on waivers from like the New York Islanders, like no one's talking about it at all. Like they're talking about it as like the lead story on like, on like national, like hockey radio uh, shows and stuff. And it's just like, really? Like it's, it's a fourth line, like fringe NHL center, like relax. Yeah. And I mean, like Amadio is like, like he's fine, you know, like, like I don't. And Adam Brooks was fine too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, and, I mean, they have Kirill Semyonov. Like, like I'm just looking at their depth chart here. We both have a cap friendly pulled up, but like, mm-hmm. you got Kirill Semyonov right there. You got uh, freaking Mikhail Abramov. You know, Semyon Durogachinsev, SDA. He looked pretty good um, in games. You know, like, like, like they have options. It's not like you know, like they have options up the middle. It's not like you know they're completely. In fact, the matter is like losing people on waivers is just how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Unfortunately, Brooks doesn't have the power to be like Jason Spezza and be like, anyone claims me and retiring. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Like a 25-year-old <laughs> trying to break into the league <laughs> says, I will retire. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> oh, just Lord. be like, uh, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah, like, wait, who's this guy? You know, just like scanning through the <laughs> Yeah. I, the, the one thing that people did bring up, because, because it is preseason, like I do not know in – like I don't know what like how it would work, given that they're they didn't play against you know interdivisions or outside of their division. Did they only last play year? against the Canadians in the in the Sens this preseason? I think so. I don't remember them playing anyone else. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I didn't really pay attention, mm-hmm. but like, I wonder what the slotting was because obviously it goes from like the worst team to the best team in terms of like who gets claim priority. Yeah, but like I guess I it goes off where... of last year's standings. Yeah, but but that's the thing is because like they didn't play one another, so maybe they just did point. I don't know. I don't know. It, it seems really weird, but mm-hmm. yeah, I did see some people bringing that up, and I was kind of yeah, you know, I was kind of like that's mm-hmm. that's true. I I genuinely don't know what the what the plan was there. I guess. Yeah, are you as upset as um most most of other Leafs Twitter was when uh, Curtis Gabriel got cut? <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I was just devastated. I, I can't believe that Dubis would, you know, prioritize Jason Spezza, Wayne Simmons over Curtis Gabriel. <laughs> I don't want to be rude here, but like, come on. Yeah, he's, I, I, mean, I mean, I feel like we've already kind of been rude on the show. Like he's, he's hmm. not an NHLer, dude. No, he's, he's not even close to it. I think, I think I have a better stride than he does. Yeah, literally. Like, oh man, it's, and I'm playing, and I'm playing in the, the lowest tier of men's league on Thursday nights. 
Yeah, it's like I, I mean, shit. Like you probably want to face off better than he could, to be honest. Probably, probably. Check it over my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny too. Like I'm looking at his hockey DB. He's got 49 games played over the court from like 2015-16 is when he made his NHL debut. So he's played 49 games over that span and has 153 mm-hmm. penalty minutes and a total of five points. <laughs> That's not an NHL. Yeah, like this guy, like this is literally like, I, I actually want to see uh, Colt Nor. I, I want to see what his point production was like, because I swear <laughs> to God, he's just probably better. While you pull up uh, Colt Nor's numbers, um, would you rather have on the team, if you had to choose one, playing on your fourth line, would you rather have Curtis ba- Gabriel or Scott Sabrin? <laughs> oh, God. Um, you know what? I, honestly, I feel like I, I feel like I take Scott Sabrin, to be honest. <laughs> He can skate at least. Yeah. Yeah, literally. Uh, you know what? Honestly, it's not much better for Colt Nor, but like, I mean, 200 or 477 games played, 24 points. It's 24 career points. Yeah. Well, I think Colt it was Noor. more than that. I know. T- to be honest, I thought he was like a solid, like 10 point per season player you know yeah that's what <laughs> I, thought, I thought i thought, I thought he, he was, was good for i thought he was good for at least like six to eight a, a season yeah dang <laughs> i need a really short career too looking at it Jeez. yeah i mean i don't know how many times you can get punched in the face and like how long how long you'd be able to last in the league like that but uh yeah that's uh, true mm-hmm. he's got like almost 1200 penalty minutes and just and under 500 games like, that's insane mm-hmm Jesus. Um, <laughs> any other uh, uh, training camp notes? Um, I'm really trying to think, and like, no, not really. Oh well, I mean, Timothy Lilligren seems to have made the team, which is interesting yeah. and cool. I guess he's like the seventh defenseman. Sadly, yeah. Um, the good thing is with Sheldon Keith is that he's not going to get the the Justin Hole treatment. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like uh what Justin Hall did what he played like eight games that year or something not even yeah. i think yeah, eight literally. games is being generous <laughs> yeah yeah he played like like nothing like he scratched him i think it was like literally 70 something times like yeah that's he was a healthy scratch yeah what's the point of even carrying that him at, on the roster at that point yeah yeah right like like cycle mm-hmm. him in and and you know that Keith will do that like especially you know Love Travis Dermott, but we know yeah. that he'll he'll make mistakes, and you know that you know one game, you know he'll make a few mistakes, you know over the course of a few games, and they'll yank him and be like, "Hey, Timothy, play three games or whatever," and you know they'll kind of put him in here and there. I could see like Travis Dermott and Timothy Lilligren like pretty often switching in and out with each other. Like I could see almost like a fifty-fifty split between them. Yeah. Yeah, and even even Sandine, because Sandine hasn't played like a full NHL season yet. Like I could see him, you know, you yeah. know, they play him twenty five games, and they're like, you know, we just want to get Lilligren, you know, in some reps. So let's sit Sandine yeah. for you know a game or two, and and even Dermot, like a flexible too, because he can play on either side. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Like, might even see some games with Sand and Lilligren paired together. Mm-hmm. Like those three will be going in and out with each other. Like I could see them. I could see them each playing like, like at least like two or three of them, I think will play at least like 50 games. Yeah. 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 I definitely say that actually. Yeah. And, and I mean, mm-hmm. I could see Lilligren playing like a chunk of games, you know, 35 games, maybe like 30. Yeah. yeah. I could see him playing some. And 
there's going to be injuries too. Yeah, like, exactly. Like you're not going to get through a season with your entire defense being healthy from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. Full in like the first 82 game season in like two years too. Yeah, like, I feel no. like there's going to be something. Mm-hmm. There already is uh, <laughs> that we'll get to when we get to the when we get to the starting line to the season preview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And even something. I mean, obviously, you know, knock on wood. And then like the NHL has done really good uh, in terms of vaccination rates and stuff like that. But you've even you've already seeing some players, you know, thrown in and out of uh, COVID mm-hmm. protocols. So it's like you know, if you know, all it needs is one scare. I you know, thought Justin the vaccine works. Yeah. <laughs> Oh Lord! Oh God! I oh man! Oh, it's so insane. I saw oh. so much of that on hockey Twitter, underneath yeah. like the the reports of that. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like, oh man, I could go in forever. It's okay. This, like, we'll just living stop. out in Alberta, man. It's it's so rough. <laughs> we'll, we'll just move on then before you get a little too too passionate. <laughs> yeah, but no, but I mean, still, like Lily, you can write. He mm-hmm. like he'll cycle in, you know, and and I think yeah. especially if. I think anyone on that right side, if they come out, you know, I could easily see him slotting in for Justin Hall if he's, you know, I don't know, whatever gets a bruising or something. I don't know. You know, yeah. just figure give him a few games, maybe TJ Brody as well, because I don't know. I do also wonder, um, do you think, and I guess this is kind of transitioning into like the preview thing, but do you think like, do you think they'll have any, um, any plans to kind of rest? Simmons and or Spezza throughout the year? Oh, I think so. 100%. Yeah. I don't think Spezza's playing a whole 82, even if he's he's healthy. I don't think Simmons is playing a full 82 if he's healthy. I think you have like you have like a Mario who you can slot into that that line. Then you also have like if you want to give Robertson like Robertson I think will be playing some NHL games. Um, Same with same with like uh, I don't know, <laughs> uh, SDA I think will, um, Semyonov. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so nice. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of people there that you can rotate in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like Semyonov. Um, I'm not like crazy for it because I didn't watch every preseason game. I watched a few, but like in like parts of some and stuff. But I feel like Semyonov like kind of has a similar vibe to like Alex Kerfoot. So I feel like he could like, you know, slot in and around the lineup is what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. You know, he could play bottom six, but he could also, you know, transition to like, you know, like, like if you need him for like a game of like, you know, second line wing, you could throw him there. Would you say that he's the best Kirill uh, uh, in the, in the NHL? Oh yeah, yeah. You know what? Actually, I would. I, <laughs> I, I think it'll be, I took me a minute to get that. I was oh. like, wait a minute. Yeah, no, I, I, I think he, you know, I definitely think he could be, especially if you play him in that top six. You know, I think, I think he could be. So what you're saying is basically he's a lock for the Calder. Yeah, I think so. Cool. My opinion. Um, <laughs> nice. Okay, so yeah, we've been teasing it, so I guess we'll get into the, into the season preview. Um, okay. Did you and, want to start with our lineup? Uh, yeah, we can go through. Like, yeah, we can go through line by line. What you think? Like, are we doing fully healthy or opening day? Uh, I think fully healthy. I, mean, I feel right. like that's, and then like, well, maybe, maybe I guess like fully healthy, but like in the sense that like Austin Matthews, because he's only yeah. like going to miss a couple days, but like Ilya McKay, we could probably sit yeah. for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So or I guess. Two alternate, I don't know if you want to do that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I only have one extra forward right now, but it's really not a big deal. Um, all right. So I guess first line, um, I'll read out mine first and we can go after first line mm-hmm. forwards. I got left wing, Michael Bunting, Austin Matthews at center and Marner at right wing. Okay. That's a pretty solid line. I like it. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Uh, I got um, Nick Ritchie, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mostly did that. I'll, I'll just say just because I think that that's what Keith is going to do. Um, personally, like if I went with my own, like what I'd prefer, it'd probably yeah, be Michael Bunting. I just think Bunting can like bring more than like Nick Ritchie can, like offensively. Like, yeah. Like Ritchie's like offensive prowess is just like. I'm just going to crash the net and that's it. When like Bunting will do that, he'll go and get pucks in the corner, but he's also like more creative with the puck and they like, can make like those passes in front of the net and stuff and just like better with his hands. So like, I feel like that yeah. he'd work a lot better with like Matthews and Marner. Yeah. I feel like he can like fill that like Zach Hyman light role, you know, like not exactly like, you know, he's not going to be a carbon copy. Like I'm not going to say, you know, he's going to be on pace for 60 points, but you know, I think that he could, I feel like he could fill that sort of gap. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I definitely see the logic there. And I feel like, yeah, Nick Ritchie's a little slower and he's just, he's going to, like, he can, you know, do that puck retrieval sort of thing. But I feel like he's just more of a, you know, he's just a, you know, a meathead you throw in the, you know, in front of the net <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Just hope he tips in pucks or gets, you know, a deflection or picks up a rebound or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, move on to second lines. All right. All right, for the second line, I've got Alexander Kerfoot on the left wing with Tavares on center and Nylander on a, on right wing. So I know for a fact that you're going to have Tavares and, and Nylander at center and right wing, so just tell me who your left wing is. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's actually Alex Kerfoot. Okay, cool. So we got the exact same second line. Um. Yeah, I just think that like Alexander Kerfoot and John, like he's always looked good whenever he played on John Tavares's line. I thought that like it, Tavares brings out a lot more like of of Kerfoot like offensively. Like we know what Kerfoot brings like on the defensive side of the puck, no matter like where he plays. But his offensive game has always like blossomed playing on Tavares's wing. So I feel like now with the emergence of like David Comp, like he can move away from center and just play on his wing for like a whole season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and in, for me too, like one of the big things with Kerfoot is that he's really fast. Him and Willie mm-hmm. are both like really fast and they're both like really good pass first guys. So I feel like it, it allows them to kind of shelter Tavares in a way, like as he ages, especially like, yeah. you know, because he is what, like 30, 31 or something like that now? Third. Yeah, something like that. One of those. Yeah, two. yeah. But I, <laughs> but I mean, like you can see, like, I mean, foot speed's never really been his thing. And that's likely the thing that's going to start to drop down um, mm-hmm. first. Especially you know, so if you can like, just focus on shooting the puck on net. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just setting up in the slot or whatever, you know, having Kerfoot or Nylander there. Plus, like Kerfoot does do that sort of puck retrieval type, you know, board battle kind of guy as well. And he can, you know, he can... I, I I really like Kerfoot. I like it sucks. I like, do too. Because I mean, he, like his contract is pretty big um, for a player that, you know, hasn't really produced yet, but I, I think he just has so many good tools. And I feel like this year, like he just has such a good platform to really, you know, uh, you know, get a 40, 
45 plus point season. You know, I feel like this is like his breakout year, like possible, like his possibility. <laughs> this is best possibility to have a breakout. Yeah. Like, like, like I pointed out, like, I think he's played some of his best hockey playing on John Tavares' <laughs> wing. So like now I can do that for a full 82 without going back and forth. And he can just, yeah, like you said, just focus on getting the puck to Tavares or even Nylander too. And like, yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, I feel like this would be a first line on a lot of other teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like Kerfoot, like, I feel like he's just gotten a really bad rap here. One, because of the catch trade, but two, because like he has, you know, he hasn't really produced to the level you'd hope. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of that is one, you know, the, the shortened season, you know, the COVID shortened season, the 56 game year, but also like the year before that, like he had a broken jaw. Like he was literally like mm-hmm. getting his nutrients out of like friggin' smooth. Didn't he, didn't he lose a bunch of weight too? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They mm-hmm. lost so much weight. He was like clearly not getting, you know, enough nutrients and things like that. Like he just wasn't getting enough, you know? And yeah. so it was like, he, you know, and, and it showed in his play. And so I think that he has, you know, a really good opportunity here to, mm-hmm you know, give some excess value on that three and a half million dollars. Yeah. Let's see. I, I'm pretty sure EPKs, right? Yeah, he does. Yeah. I, I feel like I've, I, I it's, it feels like it's been forever since I watched like regular season Leafs <laughs> hockey, but. Oh, wow. What do you think of uh Nylander being on the PK in the, in the preseason? Ah, uh, I, I had a conversation with uh, Sam Turpak. Yeah. Um, about this like a couple of years ago and like that him and Matthews, I was like, I feel like they could PK. So like, I, I kind of like of them are really good with their stick. Like yeah. defensively. Yeah. Right. Like w- Willie is like so underrated in that aspect. Like you just see him, like he'll be in like the so many stick lifts. Zone and yeah. Yeah. Like he's always, he'll always go back into the neutral zone, you know, mm-hmm. like he'll, like he'll lose a puck or whatever. And he'll just go back and just look so nonchalantly, just like lift their stick, take the puck from him, go away. And it's like, all you got to do is do that and, you know, shoot the puck down the ice. Yeah. Or, you know, if you get a good opportunity to go on a breakaway, like he's got some speed to him. It's mm-hmm. not skill. You know, you get him and Kerfoot playing next to one another. <laughs> oh, shot blocked uh, at the point, and then one of them could take off, and then you got a you got a scoring chance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Willie's got such a nasty shot, too. I feel like he could mm-hmm. do damage on, like, a breakaway or something. Yeah, exactly. Good with his hands, too. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, let's get to the bottom six now. Uh, I, I've got... Nick Ritchie on the left wing, David Kampf at center, which I mentioned earlier, and Andre Kasha on the on the right wing. Yeah, I've uh, I mean I've just kind of got we, we just kind of switched first and third line wings yeah. here. I got Michael Bunting, David Kampf, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Andre Kasha. All right, so yeah, I feel like this would be their checking line, but also like sneakily pretty good offensively line. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like I pretty- said earlier in the show, like Andre Kosh is like money in the bank, 20 goals. If he can stay healthy for a whole year, which yeah. coming from a third line winger is like way better than like, it's, it's like, that's more than what you'd expect out of like production from a third line winger. David comp, mm-hmm. we know is like a very good defensive forward, but in the preseason we saw like what he can bring offensively. And I, I he's kind of sneaky there. Yeah. And yeah. And then you have like Nick Ritchie, who's like your bang and crash guy, which is like kind of like your prototypical third liner, in my opinion, just like Mm -hmm. 
clean up the garbage in front of the net, go to the corner, get the puck out, and dish it out to like Andre Kasha. Yeah, and it, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing too. Like, and and this is for me. Like, I never really said this, but like, I I do think like if Nick Ritchie doesn't work on that top line, you switch him and Bunting. Like, when I read another time, but like for me, I mean, and, and because he has really good chemistry as well with Kasha. Like, he played with them, I think, a lot in Anaheim. I think is what I read, and like he's played like you know in yeah they, like they're they familiar with each other, yeah, yeah. So I feel like they have like you know that chemistry, but. For me, yeah, uh, kind of the exact same sort of deal. Um, I, I do think David Kampf, you know, he's a really good shutdown sort of guy, you know, and Andre Kasha can bring some offense mm-hmm. uh, to that line. And, you know, Michael Bunting as well. You know, if you got Michael Bunting in front of the net there, same sort of deal, you know, you get him to tip pucks or whatever, get Andre Kasha to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of be the play driver on that line because he has produced at a top six level almost, like for multiple seasons in his career. Like, I feel like you can definitely – sort of get that line to be really sneaky good. Yeah. Yeah, like I do like like how they are looking right now like through the top through the top 9 on their forwards. I think there's a lot of there's a very high ceiling there that they can reach offensively like as a, as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing too is like this year more than last year because they had so many veterans. Like I feel like and we knew so many. I feel like this year like yeah yeah like there is that new ceiling you know like like kind of like you were saying like i feel mm-hmm. like michael bunting you know you can get you know you could unlock really good you know potential there andre mm-hmm. kasha same sort of deal you know same with nick Ritchie even and yeah. kerfoot like i feel like you can get legitimate like value out of these guys on their Not like joe thornton who's just like it, it, it just taps out at a certain point with joe Thir- joe thornton like yeah <laughs> like at a super low ceiling like i'm talking about like when you go into those basements that are like unfinished and like five foot high ceilings <laughs> or whatever like that i feel like that's what you had with joe thornton but then like yeah. you you bring in like Andre Kasha or like David Kampf and then all of a sudden that ceiling is like 10 feet tall for a basement, which is like really good. And then it's just mm-hmm. like, I had no idea that like ceilings can be this high in a basement. And then, <laughs> yeah, it's just like nothing but surprises. <laughs> I just yeah, made, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, we'll get to this later, but like, man, Jimmy VC on like, on the uh on the documentary on all or nothing man did he have a bad attitude yeah and like i don't i, like, I don't want to talk too much about jimmy vc but yeah. like i genuinely think like he could have played well like had he just had a better attitude like he mm-hmm. he had scored like nearly 20 goals a couple seasons like or like mm-hmm. two or three years like it's like it, like he had such a great opportunity and he just squandered it Mm-hmm. We can get to that when we talk about all or nothing mm-hmm. in a little bit, but uh, yeah, fourth lines now. Um, on the fourth line, I've got. Um, let's see, I got Wayne Simmons playing on the left wing, Pierre Engvall mm-hmm. at center, and Jason Spezza on right wing. You can swap either one of them into center or or the wing. It doesn't really matter with yeah. between Engvall and Spezza. And I have Michael Amadio getting um, the short end of the stick for the uh, opening night. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the exact same. I have All like right. the exact same <laughs> roster. And Perfect. Like, I, I, I do think Engvall, like, he's really good. And I feel, I feel like he does have, like, almost Alex Kerfoot type 
possibilities like and he's it bigger. sucks because yeah yeah exactly and like it just sucks because we don't see it enough i feel like like i feel like it's there but it's mm-hmm. just untapped like i genuinely think he could be like a 35 40 point guy like in the right situation yeah he definitely can be like he's got such an underrated like release and like such an underrated shot like between like like him and Spezza, like in their shooting abilities, like this line could be like an offensive threat easily. And like Simmons again is like yeah. that banging crash guy who'll go and get pucks and like he's very crafty, like in front of like in tight with the puck as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Like I just think that, you know, that fourth line can drive play. Cause, cause, cause we've seen that too, right? Pierre Engvall on the fourth line, like he, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the playoffs, like two years in a row now, like he, he can, you know, he can get good, um, good momentum going, you know, he can be a good energy guy too. Cause he's really fast. Like, you know, I've seen him throw, throw him a there. few hits too. And like finally realizing how much bigger he is than everyone else. Yeah. Oh my God. That would be so nice. Like if he could just, mm-hmm. you know, if like if like you got Wayne Simmons and Pierre Angle going out there, you know, crashing and banging against mm-hmm. them. And then Spets is just kind of creeping in when just shooting one top cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Them just throwing the puck out to him and him yeah. just use it as literally like elite level release to just score. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. The like, like there's some things that just don't leave, right? And, and I mean, like it seems like you- shots like is one thing that doesn't just you know evaporate yeah like if you have a good shot like unless like you screw up your wrist or whatever um like if you have a good shot then like that's something that stays forever like it's kind of like a i'm gonna cross sport reference here it's kind of like a pitcher if there's a pitcher that doesn't rely on like their velocity like um in baseball like they don't rely on like the speed of their pitches they can last a long time in the sport yeah like that something that doesn't go away is like location and movement does not is something that doesn't go away. But as you get older, you're not going to be able to throw as hard. So like, I guess if bring that to hockey terms, it's like, yeah, like, like if you have a good shot, that's not going away. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, and, and like we're seeing this now, I mean, we saw it with Yarby Yager and we see it with, you know, Alex Ovechkin. Ovechkin and, yeah. you know, yeah. Jason Spets isn't that level obviously, but like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you can see like in, I mean, no one expects him to be right, but I mean, if he can produce 35, 40 points, you know, yeah. that's really good. And mm-hmm. I mean, if he's a 15, 20 goal guy, that's really good. And that's like all he needs to be really. And you, he'll play on the power play too, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like he did, he did really well on that last year. Um, but yeah, overall, like with the forwards, like we said, like just a super high ceiling that they can reach. And like, the, they look like they'll be good on like, like on both sides of the puck. A lot of creativity, a lot of like offensive upside. I have no complaints about it, really. I have no gripes with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I fully agree. Like, I feel like a lot of people, you know, sort of look at the leads. Like, they look at like what we lost, like in Zach Hyman, and they're like, "Wow, you know, this team really took a step back." But it's like, not really. Like, I don't think so. Like, like I think we got better throughout. Like, I feel like almost in that Moneyball type sense, like. You know, mm. we added Kasha, you know, he can produce 40 points. If you can get Michael Bunting to produce 40 points, if you can get Alex Kerfoot and or Nick Ritchie to both produce 40 points, like that's really good. Value they don't have to guys. pay somebody with who's aging with two bad knees. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to pay. A, like, like, how much is that contract? Like $6 million or something? Like, yeah. Like, it's insane. Like someone who'd be know, playing on. I don't know where he'd be playing. Might be still on the top line, but. 
or he might have been on the third line and they would have been doing yeah. that experiment again. But who cares? Not on the team anymore. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, you got Michael Bunting right here for two years at 950. Mm-hmm. That could be really good. If you can get, like I said, if you can get Nick Ritchie, like, because at his peak, um, you know, and like he's done this a couple of times, he's been around half a point a game, roughly. So, like, if you can yeah. play him, if you can find that good chemistry with him and Marner or like him, Matthews and Marner on that top line, that could be really good. Like, that could be like a, that could be like a diamond in the rough kind of thing. You know, if you can get him at $2.5 million, like that's, that's really yeah, good. Yeah. I agree. Really good value. Uh, well, let's move on to the blue line. I feel like that we have the exact same from what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, I'll just go. You have Morgan Riley and TJ Brody as yeah. your top pair. Your second pair is Muzzin Hall. Yep. I got the same so far. And for opening night, I think that the the third pair is going to be Sandy Dermott. Yeah, me too. I mean, I have Sandy Lilligren, but that's just because that's what I want. But yeah. <laughs> no, I, d- d- definitely Sandy Dermott. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can just talk about the defense as a whole. L- l- yeah. Really not much has changed from last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. And the improvements that this team made defensively last year, you'd think will carry over to this year. Yeah. Like, um, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, TJ Brody came in and made such an influence on the team and is, like, 100% probably, like, their most valuable defenseman. Like, if TJ Brody goes down, you're going to have a hard time finding someone to replace him. Mm-hmm. Same same can be said with Muzzin, too. Like, like they, we saw two playoffs in a row now with Muzzin out, and it's just, like, they just collapsed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like... Oh, I don't know, man. This, but but the thing is, is it's better than you know what it was a couple of years ago, where like two injuries were mm-hmm. became Dermot Barry on the top line. Oh my god, that was awful. I don't even remember yeah. who the other defensemen were. Dermot Barry. I want to say there's a Marinchin. Uh, was Marinchin Hall right? Oh yeah. Or like there was Justin Hall thrown in there, and then mm-hmm. there was I don't know Callie Rosen and. Uh, Cody CC or whatever. I don't know. God, no. Cody CC was injured for a period too, which is why, man. Oh God, yeah. Can't believe I was praying for Cody CC to be back in the lineup. That's how bad it was. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, those were dark times. God, but, pre pre pandemic times were were dark. <laughs> yeah, but our Lord and Savior Kyle Lewis has mm-hmm. graced us with a, you know, yeah. one of the better defensive cores mm-hmm. in the league. I'll just I'll go out there and say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, don't know. I really don't have many thoughts about this defense because it's pretty much the same as last season. Just hoping that they continue to improve defensively like they showed last year. Like, I don't know if you have any thoughts about it. Um, not wholly. Like, I think Lilligren looked really good in the uh, preseason. I think that we, like, we've seen Rasmus Sandin, what he can do. So, like, I, I mean, if you can realistically get a step from Sandin, maybe a small step from Dermot, you know, and maybe, like, if, you know, if we see much of him, Timothy Luke, and if you can get a step from him, you know, that'd be huge. Um, and I think it would just grow on top of it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like, the only real crappy thing is that we, you know, don't have Zach Bogosian, but... I don't really think the difference between like uh, you, the difference between like Zach Bogosian and like Travis Dermott, for instance, I don't think it's so grand that like mm-hmm. it's going to really destroy our defensive core, especially when like the top two pairings are playing like friggin' 40 minutes a night combined. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't got really any gripes with this either. 
honestly yeah. like i said what i what i feel about it already so i don't want to i don't want to sound like a broken record so uh yeah for so who do you think gets the starting goal i think campbell yeah 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 i think they came out and said it was campbell but oh did they already I didn't, yeah i, didn't I think so it. but i'm not too sure but mm-hmm. yeah i i definitely have campbell there mm-hmm. and like it's so nice to have like someone like Mirazik there too mm-hmm. like last year we had to throw out like a half of frederick anderson <laughs> and and um michael hutchinson or yeah. or or david redditch even yeah yeah no this is so much better mm-hmm. and like i don't know like like it feels like we're finally at the point now too where there's a nice tandem this is what i've wanted for like like two years now best, like, tandem, I since, wanted a tandem. best tandem since since uh scrivens and reimer yeah oh god <laughs> man like oh, man like it's, it's actually so crazy too like just to think like we got Preetam Razik and jack campbell for what is it like a few hundred thousand dollars more than freddie anderson yeah campbell makes 1.65 and Mrazic yeah. makes 3.8 and what did yeah and Freddie made like I think five. Yeah, he made five. So yeah, you're literally pay, paying the same price for for Jack Campbell and Peter Mrazek. And like Mrazek's like a very good goaltender. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing. I mean, I guess we'll probably more get into this in like the predictions part, but like, yeah, he's like legitimately good. Like he's had quite a few really good years, and like especially his underlying numbers too. I was looking at it. Um yeah, yeah, he was just really solid, like throughout the last few years, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been really good. Like, and even like Campbell, obviously too, has been like really good too. So I feel like, I feel like no matter who you put out is gonna like give you a chance to win like every single night. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just feel like there's like, like again, like a very high ceiling with these these two, and like I know both goalies do run into injury issues so like yeah. it's good that to have a tandem like this like none of them are going to be none of them are going to be overworked like you're going to have like yeah. jack Han- like they're each going to play around 40 games a year both of them yeah yeah exactly and then, i mean like I, yeah yeah exactly and like i mean both of them are going to be um you know both of them are going to be playing right the splits on the back-to-backs mm-hmm. yeah exactly you know, so we're not going to have <laughs> forcing freddie anderson to go out there two nights in a row or, oh my god you know or like mm-hmm. basically throwing away one game because there's you know our, our uh, friggin garrett sparks or michael hutchinson you know on the other end that was such loser energy when babcock would do that yeah oh my god yeah the like first our goal is to freddie get anderson. our goal is to get two points in these back-to-back it's like your goal should be to get four yeah <laughs> yeah it was like so brutal and like i i mean i get it from like I feel like that's how management should look at it. You know, I, I feel like that's not how the coach should look at it. Mm-hmm. Like they basically just would throw away the second game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, you saw it with the players, right? They did not give a single crap, crap. The second game, they were just mm-hmm. like, Oh, we got the two points last night. You know, let's literally go out there and just friggin', you know, play it like a scrimmage. <laughs> like let's go hope for pleasure skate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally like, Forget you know shinny on the on the odr you know yeah for real it was, it was brutal to watch oh my god the worst was that with those west coast trips and you have the back-to-back that was awful oh god 
Yeah, yeah, and especially for you. I mean, for you guys, especially on the oh east, my god, on yeah, the east side, you know, having to I'm like have to stay up till ten p.m. to watch them play the L.A. Kings and lose. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, are you guys actually like making me stay up to watch this? Like, why, why am I giving you guys this time of day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rebuilding Kings. I'll kind of mm-hmm. watch them get like stomped out four to two. <laughs> oh my god, mm-hmm. hated that California trip. Um, there was a time though, not too long ago when all three teams like out West and California were like really good. And you just went in just like, if we can just get one win of these three, that's a, that's a success. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When like, um, when LA was like vying for those cups, you know? And then like you had San Jose, like right behind them basically for those years. And like Anaheim too was making like conference finals and stuff. Yeah, man, that was like. Not the long West ago. used to really dominate. Yeah. Like, like not even just like the West Coast. Like, I mean, like the West, like in general, like the Western Conference was like crazy oh, yeah. there for a while. Mm-hmm. Chicago and especially you know, when LA Detroit was there. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now it's, you know, now it seems to be the East. Pretty hard mm-hmm. for Tampa. All right. So I am randomly going to come up with some um, over unders because I am not doing any research going into this, I'm just going to pick a number out of my head and pick a player. And you tell me if they're going to go over or under that for a year. And one of us should be keeping track of this somewhere. Yeah, I can, uh, I can do it. <laughs> all right. All right, cool. So we got somebody doing that, which is awesome. Cause I'm unprepared. Uh, all right, let's go. Um, Austin Matthews over or under 49 and a half goals. I'm saying that just so like there's a push. Yeah, over. Over for sure. All right. All right. Um, let's see. Mitch Marner over or under a hundred and four and a half points. <sighs> I'm gonna say over. Oh, that's bold. That's a lot. Okay. Yeah, um <laughs> he technically hasn't even reached a hundred points yet, so I should have been not been as uh, 104 and a half, but okay. I like to be yeah, bold no. sometimes. Yeah, no, uh, I'll take that hot take. <laughs> Alexander Kerfoot over under 44 and a half points. You do have to have one safe one, so I'll say under. All right. All right. So John Tavares over under 29 and a half goals. Over, yeah. And I'll do the same one for William Nylander. Over, under 29 and a half goals. Uh, I'll put over even there. Nice. Let's see. Um, Wayne Simmons. Over, under um, 31 and a half points. (laughs) That's a random number, but whatever. I'm going with it. Uh, I'll do under. All right, let's see here. We'll do Andre Kasha over under fifty games played. Oh man! <laughs> uh, oh shit! Sorry, uh, sorry. I'll make it. I'll make it forty nine and a half, just so in case it's like fifty on the dot. Mm-hmm. Oh baby. Okay, let me. I actually gotta. Um, 
<laughs> I feel like I almost one. want to see. Yeah, I know. This is the one that I'm like, I actually got to like look at like what yeah. has he done in his career? Because I know mm-hmm. he hasn't, I have it in my article, he hasn't played more than 66 games in his career in mm-hmm. one season. Um, I'm going to be optimist. I'll say over. Okay. Got a few bold ones here. Um, we'll revisit these at midseason and at the end of the year. You'll see like what you're on pace for. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Do you want me to do it for you or? Um, yeah, sure. You can, you can think of a few for me. Okay. All right. Actually, I'll, I'll answer the same ones as, as I'll answer oh. the same ones and we'll see who does better. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so Austin uh, Matthews over under 49.5 goals over, over okay. that one's an easy one for me. I think he's for sure getting 50. Am I tracking this for you? Um, yeah, sorry. I don't have my phone on me right now. Over 49. Sorry. I just got to type it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Mitch Marner over under 104.5 points. Um, I'm going to say he's just under just under. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna just I'm just gonna for simplicity's sake, I'm yeah. just gonna put I'm just gonna put under or over. Yeah. Because I already have like what I got here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um under. Uh oh my god. Sorry. This is probably terrible. Okay. Now Alex Kerfoot over or under 44 and a half points. I'll say over. Kerfoot over. Okay. Uh, John Tavares, uh, over or under 29.5 goals? Uh, over for him and over for William Nylander because they were the same number. Over. Okay. Also, I think that they can both score 30. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. Uh, the Wayne train, under or over 31 and a half points? Um, under. I just think ice, ice time is going to be a thing and he's not going to be playing every day. Yeah. And honestly, like I'm still not, I'm still not convinced, you know, about like his wrist and stuff. Yeah. I mean, so he I can fight perfectly team. fine that we saw uh, yeah. in the preseason, but um, yeah, I don't really care about fighting to be honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, similar to McKay of mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. 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 Okay. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. No, go, go, go for it. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, Kasha over or under 49.5 games. I'm going to say under, but I hope I'm proven wrong. Under. Okay. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are the same on most of Matthews, them. I think. Tavares, Willie. And Simmons. Yeah. In Simmons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We're the same. Yeah. We're, we're different on Kasha. All right. Kerfoot we- and Marner. We didn't do any defense or goalie ones. So uh all right, I'll just do Should like throw a goalie one. I'll 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 do a couple. Yeah, and I'll answer at the same time. Uh let's do uh Morgan Riley over under 49 and a half points. I'll take over. Uh uh I'll say over to contract year. Okay, perfect. One sec, sorry, I'm just writing that for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, Rasmus, no, sorry, Timothy Lilligren over under 34 and a half games played. Ooh. 
I'll take I'll take over. I'll take the over on that too because like I said, there's definitely gonna be a few injuries that will force him into the lineup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. you know, I I do think that bottom, you know, five to seven will just get rotated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um Let's do one more defense in that. No, I have a couple only ones actually I'll get to. Um, Jack Campbell, safe percentage over or under 9-12. Over. I'll say over too. And Jack Campbell wins over or under... 24 and a half. 24 and a half. Okay, so this is assuming that he plays about like half the game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the over. I'll take the over. I'm taking the over on that too. All right. Peter Morazic over under 54 and a half. No. Over under 49 and a half games played. Under. Um, I'd say under on that too. All right. Okay, yeah, that's it for over-unders. I I just uh, went up and down the lineup, saw any interesting ones. And yeah. Um, we can actually just throw one out for Rasmus Sandy. Oh, go for it. Yeah, sure. Okay. Over-under... 29.5 points. I'm going to say under. Wait, is he going to be quarterbacking saying. the top power play? Yeah, yeah, I'm not too sure to be honest. That's why I'm like mm, uh, I'll say a, I'll say under. Okay. I'll put I'm going to put over. Ooh, bold. Yeah. Yeah, just because I think I I do wonder, you know, maybe they will give him some, you know, even PP2 time, you know, maybe he's able to, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I feel like you've got Andre Kasha, Jason Spezza, you know, guys like that are there on that second mm-hmm. power play unit. That could be, that could generate some offense. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, yeah, I guess anything else you want to add to the season preview before we will start talking about uh, the documentary all for nothing. Thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I'm all good. Did I call it all for nothing? Yeah. Oh wow. Which I did I mean, not mean was. that, but I mean, yeah, that kind of. I think that's more appropriately titled. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm all good for now. I, I mean, I guess like like the only thing that after this that I'm. Oh no! Oh wait, no, I'm oh. back now. Okay, oh thank God, I was I like, not again. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. Yeah, but yeah. Um, just in case I don't take this part out, um, this is exactly what happened. We tried to record the episode earlier. I would cut out for a little bit and then come back in. But yeah, we are back here now, and yeah. So this is just uh. So just so quickly, try to get to it. Um. <laughs> Um, just spoiler, spoiler alert. If you haven't watched it yet, there's going to be a lot of spoilers from, from all or nothing in, in 
this part of the show. So if you haven't watched it yet, don't want any spoilers. Uh, thank you for listening to this for uh, to us for this long, and uh, we'll see you next time. And for those of you that want our reactions, here it is. Um, so, Gordon, what were your main takeaways from it? The relationship between Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe, I think, is really good. I think mm-hmm. Keefe is much better than, I mean, like, we all, like, I, I think anyone who wasn't, you know, a, a baghead type guy, like, knew that Keefe wasn't a bad coach. But, like, I feel like this really hammered at home, like, oh, he's mm-hmm. even better than I could have even thought. <laughs> Um, I also think like there was obvious flaws last year, like looking back, like not even just, I I know the overarching was the offense and the way we scored and stuff, but I think like room wise, I feel like someone like Joe Thornton was kind of a misstep. Yeah. um, Bringing him in for veteran presence, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of have the same things, same thoughts as you, like, it really stood out to me, like how great of a coach that like Sheldon Keefe is. And that's something I really wanted to get into Mm -hmm. and like, like with examples of it and stuff, because it was just like, he wants every one of his players to like know exactly what's like expected out of them. And I think Mm -hmm. that like makes everybody's job so much easier. Like, and no matter what your profession is, like for you, for example, at your job, if you, if you're, manager or your boss or whatever is very clear about what's expected out of you doesn't that make your job so much easier yeah oh immensely i actually have like really personal like like directly relate to this topic so yeah no definitely it's much better yeah exactly so i feel like when everybody knows their role and it's more like cut out for them and like especially you have a coach who's very clear on what that role is for you it makes everyone's job so much easier like i feel like you can go and play with more much more of a clear ahead and just focus on playing on doing your thing and stuff makes, makes it easier for everybody. And that's how you get the most out of everybody as well. So I feel like he's perfect for that. And like, he's also like such a great communicator. Like, yeah, yeah. To both Dubis to, and, and to like the players and stuff like, like there was one part where, um, I believe it was with Ilya Mikheyev and it was at intermission. Mm-hmm. He made a mistake that led to a goal. And instead of just like giving him a bunch of like flack for it, he brought him into the video room and was like, you see what you happened here next time. Try to do this and that. And that. like, that's what a coach is. A coach yeah. is like, like, I know like Keith has gotten a lot of slack from like the older corners of this fan base about him, like yeah. being too soft and like, he should be like yelling at his guys more, but like, like, again, like, when you go to the workplace, you have a boss who's just miserable all the time and, like, just giving you shit for, like, every little thing that you do wrong. Like, you're not going to want to perform for them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, like, and, and, mm-hmm. yeah, like, obviously, uh, no, like, obviously, sometimes, like, like, people deserve, like, a kick in the ass or whatever. But it's like, if you're just constantly just like yelling, like John Tortorella, like, why do you think, like, Columbus players always leave? Like, who the hell wants to play for someone like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, like you want to like, be approachable and you want to be able to have like mm-hmm. real conversations about like performance with like your players and stuff. And I feel like he does a tremendous job of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And like, I mean, I mean, we kind of teased it earlier, but like it's exactly exemplified in like 
someone like Jimmy VC, right? Exactly. He went out and, you know, he literally told, and I mean, like, yeah, you know, like some people will say, oh, it's, uh, I think it is a really good example, of, you know, that kind of kicking the ass, right? Of like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I'll be upfront and honest, you know, your play here has been kind of vanilla, you know, I, mm-hmm. I want you to find your role type thing, you know, do what you need. Mm-hmm. And he even like opened up, hey, you know, if you just want to like think about this, let this fester for a day, you know, we can talk tomorrow, whatever type thing, really good communication. And it's like, yeah. and for me, it was like, yeah, you know, Jimmy VC. I mean, his response to that was horrible. It was, oh, so you're going to cut me? And it's yeah. like, no, you know, just go out there and, you know, find your role. Like a, yeah, right. Like be mm-hmm. a hymen type role, you know, even, right. Mm-hmm. Someone who, you know, might be a good net front guy or something, right. Like he could have taken from that, right. But mm-hmm. instead he decided to, oh, you know, they get all sour and whatever about just it. Just feel but, sorry for himself. Yeah yeah exactly but it's like uh, he gave him such a good opportunity there and even said hey come speak with me you know if you know we can talk about this more and i'm sure keith would have went in and been like you know here's what you should do here's what you know i want you to do you know here's what Mm -hmm. i'm looking for out of you you know exactly yeah like that's like an epitome of what a coach should be like like mm-hmm. someone's like struggling finding his way you help him kind of like think of other ways that he can like be effective and stuff and yeah. yeah, and like like you like we said earlier, like the response from 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 VC was like awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like at that point, at that point, it's on the player. It's not really on on Keith, but yeah, and like yeah. I think it goes a long way when you have like all the players in the locker room, like when you want to play for a guy like that, and like when you can have that open door policy with with it and all that, like that definitely was missing when Babcock was the coach here, because the first thing he did with Marner as a rookie was like, get the dress locker room to turn on him. And it was yeah. like, and it was like, yeah, that that's going to make you respected in the locker room. That's, that's for sure. What's going to make like players want to go up and talk to you about stuff. Like, like, no, like that just is like the complete opposite of what like coaches are taught to do. So like, yeah, yeah, it was just awful. But, um, yeah, yeah. Like the fact that he had to go out to Arizona to personally spend like three days or whatever with freaking Austin Matthews, like that shouldn't, I, I mean, I feel like we kind of brushed it under the rug a lot. Like I know like a lot was made about it in the media, mm-hmm. but like, I know like fans, we kind of brushed that under the rug, but it's like, that was really bad. How like, bad was your, that relationship? Shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. Like how, yeah. Like how sour was that relationship? Yeah. That he had to go and. Sorry, I'm just adjusting my yeah. seat. Tried to like, uh, you know, salvage the relationship every summer for like two mm-hmm. years in a row or whatever. There, exactly. Like it was, it was terrible. But yeah, like with Keefe, you definitely don't need that. Like I would be shocked if that were to happen between him and, and Matthews. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it, it's just so insane. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Like and and you see it too really well with uh, Dubis. I think. Uh, as well like like Eli McCabe came to him and was like you know hey I, I think I, you know I want to play higher up in the lineup you know and like, like he even mentioned yeah yeah exactly pumped him up and he even mentioned in the documentary you know there are some times where you know you want the players to come up to the GMs you know so there's a different voice you know a different you know face to you know complain mm-hmm. to basically and you know and yeah he just pumped him up he's like you know you know I, I think you're really well really well suited for your role you're performing really well we really like you you know we think you're doing great you know yeah and i think that that's perfect and and 
I don't know. Like, like it feels like their dynamic, like, you know, Keith being, you know, the more like, Hey, you know, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I need from you, mm-hmm. you know? And also having Dubas being like, no, 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 don't worry. Like we like you here, you know, like we think you're really good at what you do. You know, I feel like it is so, sort of, they play off each other really well. That's sort yeah. of dynamic. We have a like- gentle hand and, I feel like that's something that they want up and down management, like no matter what yeah. your role is, just like openness and like good communication. Like that's yeah. something that I feel like that the Leafs take pride in as like an organization. And I feel like that's like a perfect place for like, like, like let's say like players around the NHL have seen this documentary and they see like how open and honest and how like, and how like, um like great communicators, like the management is to like the rest of the players and stuff. Like, does that not make them yeah. like an attractive like free agent destination? And they like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, cause I doubt that like a lot, like based on what you hear and like from a lot of other NHL teams, I don't think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of organizations that are like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like on top of that, um, what was the one thing? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Kind of what you were getting at, like that feels like an organization thing as a whole. Like mm-hmm. I was watching um, that one blueprint. I think you brought it up a few weeks ago uh the one blueprint i think it was uh after the draft or heading into the draft or some of that yeah. they uploaded a few weeks ago and yeah and he even talked about like they want the you know the the newest face you know the the, the person that's lowest on the food chain to be able to disagree and, and air give their, their opinion you know yeah give their opinion to someone like brendan shanahan you know yeah they want him to be able to disagree with them and feel comfortable so like it definitely exactly. feels like you know a really good environment there mm-hmm. yeah and I feel like that's like an organization that's like very attractive to like people looking for new jobs and looking yeah. for new contracts. So it's very good uh, in that sense. That like really impressed me with the documentary that like that they're like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, anything uh, anything else that stood out to you? Like like any players or whatever. Like I know that like Zach Bogosian's little feature like broke my heart. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. Same, like, uh, it, it became so clear why he left. Yeah, like immediately, like when he was talking about missing his daughter's like birthday, and he's like, "Oh, I just gotta play hockey," you know. He's like crying and stuff, and I'm like, "Man, this mm-hmm. is this sucks." Like, I feel really bad for this mm-hmm. guy, and like, I mean, that happened six months ago, right? And he just went yeah. out there and played really well for us, you know, and we had no idea that mm-hmm. he's like, you know, crying with his daughter on FaceTime that night. Like, well, that's... nobody really like knew like, like the personal like touch of it, like how like these players are like missing out on like watching their kids grow up basically. Yeah. And like not being around their families. Like, I don't think they realize how tough that is for like, for so many like players to go through. And like, especially with the weirdness of last season too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And like, mm-hmm. Another player that kind of stood out too, uh, and, and, and like I said it off the top there, but like I do think Joe Thornton was a bad influence in the locker room, but I actually like him a lot. <laughs> like as soon as it was the documentary, like there's so many times where I laugh, mm-hmm. but I'm like, man, like he would have been no, no, he's such a bad influence. Definitely seems like you think he was a bad influence, like on the locker room, yeah. Oh, how so? Like, you know, like, no, like, think- don't get me wrong. It seems like such a fun guy to hang out with and stuff. And like, I mm-hmm. definitely have a beer with him, but like, but like, I, I'm curious to see like what you thought, like made him like a bad influence. It's just like the really laid back attitude. I think got like, especially because like you had Keith, you know, like, like the, the perfect of the epitome of it um, was that, uh, that, um, that leadership 
meeting or whatever in Kyle Dubas's office there, I think with Keith and stuff. And yeah. like they were bringing up the concerns and Joe was just like, you know, he just like, was like, we're in first place. Who cares? You know? Oh it's yeah. Like, I did. See, yeah, yeah. I do remember. I do see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like not like, not like he'd be a bad person or anything to be yeah. around, but like, I just think that like his attitude wasn't. It was a little too needed. laid back. Yeah. 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 I feel like, I feel like he was like, like, I don't like, like, you know, when like you were getting disciplined as like a child or whatever, like, I don't know, he fucking yeah. broke, broke a vase or something. And your yeah. mom's like giving you like shit for it. And then, and then your dad's like cracking jokes behind it. Just, it was not a good look. I feel like that's what Joe Thornton was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that exact sort of dynamic or like, mm-hmm. you know, the older sibling who's like, who gives a shit? And it's like, no, mm-hmm. no we're trying to like instill good values in this, you know, young child. Exactly. Like the older yeah. stoner brother, you know, who's like, I mm-hmm. don't care. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I'll skip school if I want to mom, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think he he had the effect that like the Leafs really were looking for in, in the locker yeah. room. Like it's nice to have somebody like that who's like kind of laid back and like fun to be around and stuff. But you also need to remember that there's like a time and a place. And I feel like with Jumbo, it was just like he was just didn't have that switch where you could just like turn to like extremely focused. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it feels like in a in a certain environment, like. It would work, but like, I mean, the Leafs already get like, you know, shit for being, uh, you know, not being able to handle pressure. And so, like, I do see the logic behind bringing someone like him in, you know, to ease that sort of thing. So you're not like so in your head, but it's like, I just feel like he just, you know, he just wasn't the right move in retrospect. Yeah. Um, Do you think that has something to be why he got the C stripped from him in, in San Jose? Maybe I'm I'm not even too sure. Like it could be, to be honest. Like, and it wouldn't surprise me. Like, you know, mm-hmm. especially because I I think a part of it like could have been that, but I I also do think like a large portion of that was just that like they're kind of the they're changing the guard, you know, kind of thing. Like, let's give it to the younger guy. Yeah, you know, let's kind of phase you guys out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows, honestly. But yeah, that, that was a good point that you brought up. I think Jason Spezza is like the perfect kind of veteran presence guy to have. Yeah. Like you saw him like being like laid back and like joking around with the guys, but he was also like keeping them on, on track and stuff too. And like, and like yeah. was would be like extremely focused to like the, the tasks on hand and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I mean, like you see him like, uh, but like, like, or hear about him, I guess, from like players, you know, talking about the sort of impact that he has, you know, mm-hmm. oh, he's just, you know, so good. And like, he's helped me so much and stuff. It's like, you know, that's a perfect guy, you know, mm-hmm. to have in that locker room. And same with like uh, the report about him being the one to, you know, get them all to chip in money towards, you know, helping the minor league players. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Know, yeah. Compensation. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you, re- you remember that from a few months ago? Yeah. 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 No, I just like forgot about it until now. Oh, but, like no. I remember it now, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you cut out there for a minute for me. Oh, oh no, all good. All I good. was like, oh no, you did not cut out for me, so we're we're, we're grooving here. <laughs> oh, good. But yeah, no. So that, and I mean, even uh, I kind of wish they would have showed him more. But I feel like Wayne Simmons was a really good like influence. I feel like like yeah, I, I see why they like him and why they brought him back. But well, one thing that really stood out to me. Um, was in the second intermission of the game seven, 
Mm-hmm. You saw mm-hmm. like the guys addressing the team, and like you saw Morgan Riley was very vocal. Spezza was very vocal. I believe Simmons was very vocal, and so was Matthews. Yeah, I didn't see much of Joe Thornton. I didn't see much of Mitch Marner. Oh, and I also saw Muzzin being vocal in there too. Yeah, and like I don't know, like that that kind of like stood out to me. <laughs> yeah, actually, it. Uh, I, I was speaking with one of our one of our friends, uh, Carlton, and. Like, mm-hmm. like while we were watching it and I, he even brought out and we, like, we kind of both were like, yeah, you know, it's very clear that Marner uh, was given the A as some sort of like, you know, contract thing. Yeah. Contract thing. And like, you know, kind of a you're a really good player for us. So let's throw the A to you. But like, you know? yeah, he, he did not like in the locker room seem like very vocal other than just like kind of just like joking around with the guys or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I almost like, I feel like him and Willie are like just sort of the guys where it's like, yeah, you really don't need to give those guys an A, you know, (laughs) you really don't need to give those guys, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Willie, like kind of like likes to set his example on the ice, like in the playoffs. And he like, I feel like he really took a huge step in his game in the playoffs last year for those seven games. But it's just like, yeah, like, but like, there's nothing wrong with like being like a more quiet person, but like, I feel like Marner is not a quiet person. He just was not vocal. Like he looked like all like, like, like down on himself and like the locker room for that intermission and stuff. When like the other yeah. guys were trying to like get the team going and stuff. Yeah. And even you saw him uh, have to go into Kyle Dubas's office at some point throughout the year to talk with him. I forget exactly what it was now. I can't remember. I watched it a couple of weeks ago, so I can't really remember mm-hmm. the exact scene, but I do remember him going to Kyle Dubes' office for mm-hmm. sort of like a pep talk. And it was like, this guy's like a 95 point player for God's sakes. He mm-hmm. shouldn't need to go to the GM to get, you know, his, his ego stroked, you know, like it's just, and, and, and maybe we're looking at it the wrong way, whatever, but it's like, how is this guy not, you know, mm-hmm. more there? Like, like the people that needed that pep talk it, it, heading into that game seven were Mitch Marner. Like, yeah. Mitch Marner was the one who needed that. So it's like, why is why is this guy a leader? You know, quote unquote. Yeah, it has to be something in the contract. Like, it was like, we'll give you this money, uh, but we'll give you the A as well, just to like take a bit of a trim off of the salary. I guess I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like I, I feel like I heard Rachel Dory kind of allude to that, but like couldn't say anything, you know. Yeah, but I feel like she alluded to that at one point that like that was a thing. So it wouldn't surprise me, honestly. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Um, another thing, Jack Campbell is just a perfect human being. Yeah, yeah, he's so nice. Like, oh man. Mm-hmm. I don't know how like he's like he's just so nice. Oh my god! I don't know how how anybody like that thing on Twitter from a few weeks ago when people were like, "Oh, guys, he's actually racist." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was I just like, it was just somebody just like just shooting blanks there. I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, like just yeah, make, trying to trying to cause a stir. Um. Anyways, yeah. So basically, yeah, Jack Campbell's the perfect person. Um, William Nylander seems really fun. Um, Justin Hall seems cool. Yeah, Justin Hall seems really cool. Um, you can tell that they really love having Tavares as the captain. Like, yeah, he's he's the captain. Like that. I think I think that was abundantly clear. Yeah. Oh man, him hanging out with his uncle though. 
Um, that was cool. Oh, really? I, I was going to say that was kind of cringe. I mean, it was kind of cringe. <laughs> like, you could so tell it was very, I mean, like, you know, like, you could tell it was very scripted and very, like, weird but like it had so much potential to be like pretty cool <laughs> yeah I, I yeah i know at one point like when they were sitting there like he was practically interviewing him like they were like sitting so awkwardly with him. i'm like this is like so yeah, staged i don't was... like this mm-hmm. like, <laughs> no, it was but... like it was it, the moment seemed forced yeah like it was 100 like hey what like the producers of the of the documentary like hey why don't you call your uncle over and just have a conversation and like it was like yeah you know you've been an inspiration for me like my entire life and it's like it's like i've never once had a conversation with my uncles like that <laughs> yeah like out of the blue like with yeah. cameras around like it's like oh my god mm-hmm. um one of the funniest scenes was mitch marner and his girlfriend going for a walk with their dog and then they're saying hi to like some neighbor kid and the kid falls off his bike. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I didn't notice him falling off his bike, but I did notice him like going on their walk. Yeah. Some kid fell off their bike. If I remember correctly, <laughs> <laughs> I see, see him like, saying hi to them. <laughs> <laughs> see, I definitely do like believe that, but it's just like, I was just, mm-hmm. I, at some point I just got like, I, I was kind of on my phone a lot. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, this is, this is kind of, yeah. you know, dragging on. Yeah. Like some like, of these parts. Like for me, anyways, back to like John Tavares. Like it's yes. abundantly clear that he's like the leader of that locker room. Like yeah. with all those, like I saw him talking like after every single game and stuff. And like, come on, boys, we gotta like build off of this. Like we and like all that. Like, like, yeah, like he he is a lot more vocal than I thought he would. Yeah. And even then, like he seems very much like the type of uh, like the type of leader that John Jonathan Taves was always kind of thrown out to be. Like that mm-hmm. just sort of, you know. Hey boys, you know, let's just, you know, let's win it tonight. You know, like, like not like he doesn't say much, but it's like, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. He does a lot of it like on the ice kind of thing, like lead by yeah. example. Like he does, like you can tell even the way he plays and stuff. And like and like you can just tell like how dejected that team was. Mm-hmm. Like when he went down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I genuinely think like if they have John Deveris, like they win that series. Like one hundred not even just from like a skill level, but yeah, because like mm-hmm. You know, there is that sort of calming presence, but then also like the fact that you know he's he's John Tavares. Like, yeah, he helps oh, um, the team quite a bit. Um, what do you think of um of the Nick Felino stuff? Uh, it really sucks. Like, I wish he would have worked out better. And like, I mean, I don't know. Like, like I do. Like, it still was an overpay, one hundred percent. But like, I do wish that he would have worked out better. I kind of feel bad for him. I think that if the Leafs went further into the playoffs, Nick Foligno's like true value would have been seen. Yeah, but because yeah, so because they didn't really play much in the playoffs, only played the seven games. That like his value wasn't really seen. But I think it would have been if they went to like the third round or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and if he didn't have those back injuries, and if he was just like sort of that extra player, you know, if he was playing that sort of, you know, yeah. left wing on that, you know, top six, you know, like I feel like that would be a lot better and, you know, being able to transition in and out of like the second line down to like the third yeah. line and a checking role. Like, I feel like it would have just helped him out so much more. Like he would have looked mm-hmm. so much more useful, but it is because, you know, he played, he played however many, like half a mm-hmm. dozen, a dozen, you know, yeah. regular season games and then played like mm-hmm. a few crappy playoff games. He, <laughs> You know, just didn't really see him. Yeah, I thought it was really cool though to see like his dad and stuff. Like, yeah, to hang out with Wendell Clark and stuff. Yeah, like they're just like buddies. <laughs> yeah, 
oh man, that actually was so cool mm-hmm. like like the fact that like and the fact that like they were like hanging out just watching playoff games like i don't know if that was forced like i don't know if that's just normal but like, no it but it looked it looked so much more natural than like tavares and his uncle <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like it just looked like you know like it seemed, that's something that they do it seemed like yeah a lot more natural um yeah like it was just like I don't know. Like you could just tell like how much pride he took into like being a leaf and stuff. And it's like a shame that it didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mm-hmm. I, I kind of wish he did. I mean, it depends on what the deal would have been, but I kind of wish that they would have, you know, he would have been able to come back for one more year or like he would have chosen to come back for one more year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the door was open or not for him to come yeah. back. Maybe it was, maybe it was, I have no idea. But yeah, it would have been it would have been cool, I think. Um especially cuz it would kind of suck to be honest, like just to get into like almost like mm-hmm. uh, like like looking forward to the season. Like I feel like it kind of will suck too if he like comes into Boston plays like in a really well, you know, middle six checking role mm-hmm. and then like, you know, for the Bruins and then like for the Leafs yeah. he just he sucked basically. Well, another thing I want to point out before we we end off um I don't want to hear anything about like, oh, like Matthews and Martin or Nylander or anything. Like, don't care. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, if this documentary made it abundantly clear how much they want to win and stuff. And like, I don't know what it is. They just can't get over that hump. Yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, like, I don't even like to be like, oh, it's all mental because, like, you know, I feel like not only is that the kind of a scapegoat, but it's like we don't know. Like, we don't know these guys on a personal level, but Mm -hmm. from seeing it, like, it really does just look like a mental thing. Like, you know, the one good thing I will say, too, though, is that it does feel like they're kind of they're kind of chipping away and they're making that sort of. You, like they, they kind of know that that's the issue. They it's know like, that. Yeah, they know. Like it's the big elephant in the room. They know what it is, and I feel like the Leafs are going to be that kind of team that once they get over that first round hump, there's not going to be any stopping them. Yeah, like they just yeah, have like, to. Who was it? I think it was. Was it Joe Thornton? It was one of the veteran guys. I don't remember exactly who it was. No, no, it was it was Tavares talking, and he was saying like how hard it is to close out a series and stuff playing against a desperate team, and like yeah. I feel like once they learn how to finally close out a series they'll be like oh yeah we can do that what the hell what are we doing these, all these years and then like it'll just be automatic for them yeah yeah because that is one thing like that i feel like it's really overlooked it's like i mean like being consistent is like really friggin' difficult to do <laughs> like yeah just everyday life like, like i mean i know there's sometimes where i go into work and i'm like yeah you know i'm gonna be really productive today and then i'm just not and then like there's the next day i'll go in and i'll be like kill it you know and i'll go in you know whatever like like i'll just you know slaughter all like whatever goals i had set or whatever for that day and it's like it's just super hard and it's like you know be like being able to play a game mm-hmm. that is of just a bunch of chances basically and a bunch of you know probabilities you know like a really randomized game the carry price was is if carry price's safe percentage in that first round was just a few ticks lower the leafs would have would have been would have won in five yeah yeah exactly right like one of those you know posts one of those you know one of those near misses one of those you know whatever one of those acrobatic saves that it did not know carrie price could still do yeah yeah, yeah. Like it was yeah, just like, one of it was those. crazy like, um we used one, literally one bounce like i know oh yeah. my god that overtime where they were uh, dominating 
Oh, I know. I kind of forgot how insane. Like, like I knew obviously, but like I weren't the shots. Kind of, the shots were like ten to one. Yeah, something like that. And it was just, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was a Galchenyuk giveaway. I think it was that game. No, that was that happened like twenty seconds into overtime. That was the yeah, Dermot was giveaway the Dermot, one. Yeah. When he just, I don't know what he was trying to do, but yeah. And I mean, that's the thing though. It's like Dermot is like one of those players who like you've seen him like pull off that move before, and like he can and he's mm-hmm. good. But it's just like. If you just didn't do that one thing, if you just chipped it out off the boards, you know, the one time where like at least probably win that game you know? too. Yeah. <laughs> at least yeah, probably exactly. win if Galchenyuk doesn't blindly throw the puck into the middle of the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Which, right. And if, but like, that's that's something that's like so inexcusable. Just because like that's like one of the first things you learn when you play hockey. Like when I played house league, I was like eight years old and I learned like if you don't know what to do with the puck, just send it up the boards. <laughs> yeah. Bang it off the glass. If you don't have a play, just send it up the boards, keep, keep it to the outside. If you're not sure what to do with it. And he just blindly sent it like right to the middle of the ice. We're like, yeah. it's like, like that's to me, that's just inexcusable. Give him a clean breakaway. Like, mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, anyways, so bad. anyways, anything else you want to touch on any closing thoughts? Uh, no, I think I'm good for now. Yeah. All right, so I guess uh, we've reached the end of this podcast. Uh, feel free to follow us on Twitter at New Era Leafs. Follow me on Twitter at JoeyConch98. Follow Gordon on Twitter at RideThePine89. Uh, be sure to keep up with uh, Gordon's now writing for uh, for New Era Leafs. He should have something dropping by the time this podcast is out, or is it already dropped? Uh, no, it should be, uh, I just got to throw it in WordPress pretty much and just kind of edit it around. Nice. So yeah, it should be ready for before puck drop tomorrow. Right. Yeah. All right. So keep an eye out on that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully barring any, uh, more technical difficulties, we will be back, uh, this time next week. So, uh, yeah that's it looks like that's everything and uh we will see you next week In this moment-